place where you can live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it eight 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 money pit. The Money Pit is presented by Owens Corning, the Angie App, and LL Flooring, the official flooring partner of the Money Pit. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you get the projects done that you want to do around your house. Is it a decor dilemma? Don't know which way to turn? You need help solving a problem? You got a floor squeak or a toilet leak? Well, reach out to us because we are here to help you get those jobs done once, get them done right so you don't have to get them done again. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, or you can always post your questions at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, have you spotted a roof leak and wondered if your roof can be repaired or needed a total replacement? Well, if you ask a roofing contractor, of course they'll say you need a total replacement, but that may not be the case. We'll tell you what you need to know. And as summer turns to fall, it's time to get your heating system serviced. Now, it doesn't matter if you heat by gas, oil, propane, or even electric. An annual servicing by a pro is key to making sure that the system remains safe and efficient. We're going to explain the key components to include just ahead. And if there's a way to do a home improvement project that's fast, simple, safe, and costs less, and makes a positive impact, wouldn't that project be a no-brainer? Well, we're going to share one energy-saving project that does all of that and more. But first, what projects are you planning this fall? It's our job and our mission to educate, inspire, and help you build confidence on projects that you'd like to get done and to simply guide you on how to get those done once and get them done right so you don't have to do them again. But your job is to pick up the phone or reach out to us at moneypit.com and get those questions in so that we can help. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, and the website, again, is moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Patton, Illinois needs some help with a leak. Tell us what's going on. I got new uh, enlarged gutters and downspouts on, and they cut a trough out to my field, which is okay. We've had some torrential downpours, and this hasn't obviously been lately, uh, but I got flooding in my basement. And I was told that there's a trough that is next to my block basement that is either inside or outside. I could see visually it coming in underneath my stairs as I cut away the drywall, and I'm not sure because, unfortunately, the company that did it is out of business if my trough is inside or outside. Does the rainfall uh, precipitate the flood? And was it, does it always flood after a heavy rain? You know, it never flooded. I, I, I built the basement on in an, in an addition um, 12 years after I built the house uh, for really a storm shelter. And it never did until I put the new improved larger gutters, larger downspouts on. Right. So obviously, it's the, the issue is with the drainage of these spouts. And... You know, when you have an area that's susceptible to flooding, you need to discharge the water at least four to six feet from the foundation, if not further. I mean, I if it's possible, I'd like to run the, the pipes out underground and take them to a dry well or, or take them to daylight somewhere if the property is, is set up such where you can get away with that. But you've got to manage the drainage. And I mean, it's great that you've got the bigger gutters because they're not going to clog as easily. But wherever these downspouts are hitting, that water's got to get far away from the house. I think that was the case. I, I, I think what has happened 
is the 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 abundance of of rain that came over the gutters based on the mass that it came down. And again, it, it probably has happened before, but it never flooded down there. Pat, whenever you get a flood that's consistent with rainfall, it's always, always, always drainage. Okay, It's not rising water tables or any of that other kind of stuff. It's always drainage, always. So it's a clogged gutter. It's a downspout that's dropping water too close to the house. It's soil that's sloped back into the wall. Fix the drainage. You'll fix the flood, guaranteed. Pat, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now we're going over to Alaska, where Mary has a question about siding. How can we help you today? We recently sided our house with concrete siding. Underneath is plywood and then Tyvek. We use 4 by 12 panels that are pre-painted. They're attached to the plywood walls. Okay. My question is, do I need to caulk where the batten attaches to the panels? And secondly, do I need to caulk the nail holes on the batten? Well, you wouldn't caulk with the batten attaches to the panels. You might use an adhesive in that area if that's recommended by the siding manufacturer. Uh, In terms of the nail holes, generally you don't have to caulk nail holes. You know, as long as you're not smashing the nails in and breaking the siding, they're usually tight enough around them where you do not have to caulk each individual nail head. The nail holes have broken through the painted surface. So if they broke through the painted surface, it's not a bad idea to touch them up with a little bit of caulk, but I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Mary. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. 
and its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. All right, now we've got Barry in Iowa on the line who's got a question about a bathroom with carpeting. And I know your question's really about a pet, but bathroom with carpeting? What's going on, Barry? Well, the, the dogs were locked up in the bathroom when we went shopping. But when we come back, they tore a hole. It wasn't a big hole, but it's probably two and a half inches by three inches long. And I can't cover it in a way. And so I was wanting to tear the carpet up and put in new carpet because I can't match the old carpet. And uh, then, But I don't know how to put a threshold down in there. Well, first of all, um, putting carpet in the bathroom is generally a bad idea because obviously it doesn't mix with the moisture, even if it's an indoor-outdoor style carpet. I don't know what you have, but I, I would recommend against carpet in a bathroom. So the dogs may have done you a favor because it's forcing you to take that carpet up. Your question is, how do you put a threshold like in the door? so that you would have like a clean edge. Yeah, well, I mean, you certainly what you basically do is you put in a door sill there, and it sits even with the door when it's closed, so it's about as thick as the door plus another inch or so, so it's usually a couple of inches thick, and it may be higher on one side where the carpet is and lower on the other side where the floor is, but it's a pretty standard uh, piece of carpentry work or a pretty standard piece of a, of a carpet installation project, and I would recommend that you remove that carpet from the bathroom and put in a different type of, of flooring. What's underneath that carpet? Is there tile under there now? No, it's a cement slab. It's a slab house. Okay, so then what you might want to think about doing is putting in something like a laminate floor. Now, laminate can look like tile or it could look like stone, but it's very moisture resistant, so it's a terrific choice for the bathroom. And if you want something to kind of warm it up, then put a throw rug on top of it. But I wouldn't put carpet back. Yeah, well, that, that's what we were thinking, too. Yep, very simple step. Uh, putting in a door sill is all you need to do. And if you don't know how to do it yourself, I'm sure your installer could help. I don't have to nail a threshold to the door, I mean to the floor? Oh, no, it'll, it'll, it'll be secured to the floor, but there's lots of ways to do that. And there's a, there's a way that you can screw through the threshold with a special screw called a Tapcon fastener, and it will secure it to the floor. Uh, you know, there are, there are ways. And then there's a piece that snaps over it. There's, if you go into your home center, um, Home Depot, Lowe's, or whatever you've got near you, in the flooring aisle, there's going to be at the end, You'll see wood, metal, they'll be called transitions. It'll be like from carpet to wood. It'll have all the varieties of one surface to the other surface and all the different ways to install them. They're pretty easy. Oh, well, thank you guys for the information, and I hope you have a good day. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now, I've got Scott on the line who needs some help rearranging a door swing. What's going on? Uh, we just bought a new uh, place, and in our downstairs bathroom, uh, the door now swings in for the left. 
Um, but the problem is the light switch is then behind the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you got to walk in the bathroom, close the door in the dark, fumble fum with the light switch and turn it on. Yes, that's pretty much it. So I'm just curious if there's a way to switch the handing of the door without you know, replacing the whole casing and everything. Not easily. It's probably easier to run a new light switch on the other side than it is to change out the door. Because, you know, the hole is is, dr- is drilled where the hole is drilled, and if you were to change the hand, you'd basically have to, uh, you'd have you'd have to put a new hole in the other side. I would think. Sure. Yeah, doors don't flip right and left too easily. You know, unless you're talking about the door in your washing machine. It's designed to do that. <laughs> you know, uh, an interior door doesn't doesn't turn very easily. Uh, so I would suggest you just run a new uh, switch on the other side. And you could just put a blank out plate across the one that's there now. Because frankly, nobody's going to see it. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, are you guys ready to freshen up your home for fall, but you need a little cash and some advice to get it done? Well, we've got both. Now through October 15th, we're partnering with BobVila.com to launch the $2,500 Freshen Up for Fall giveaway. Enter once a day at BobVila.com for your chance to win one of five $500 Amazon gift cards for your next fall fix-up project. Now we're going over to Eunice in Arkansas, who has a retaining wall that thinks it's a chameleon. It's changing colors. What's going on? Part of it is the part that's turning um, white, powdery-looking, is the part that's exposed to the weather. It's um, kind of spreading. It looks like it's, you know, the whole thing will eventually turn white. I don't know if it's oxidizing or if... uh, Moisture from the ground is making it change colors or what? Yeah, that's exactly what's happening, Eunice. What you're seeing is called efflorescence, and essentially water from the ground pulls up because those concrete blocks are very hydroscopic. So water pulls up, and then as the water evaporates, it leaves its mineral salts behind, and that's what that whitish-grayish deposit is. So it's not harmful. It's really just cosmetic. Uh-huh. And there's not going to be a lot you can do to stop it, though. If it's an outside wall like that, if there's going to be a lot of uh, moisture collecting in that area, you're going to get that sort of thing from happening. Oh, okay. So power washing it or using a chemical or anything wouldn't make a difference? Well, really, all you need, all you need I'll give you a little trick of the trade, if you use white vinegar. So if you were to mix up some white vinegar and mix it with water and a pump-up sprayer, that will melt the mineral salts right away. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Eunice, good luck with that project. You're very welcome. Well, if a big storm passed through and left a leak stain in its path, you might be wondering what kind of repair you need. So roofs that leak, you got to fix those fast, and sometimes a contractor is going to be looking for a bigger job than it's necessary, and they're going to use this fact that you've got this leak to talk you into a new roof that you might not need, or at least not need yet. So here's a few tips to help you decide. First, let's talk about what actually makes up a shingle. They are generally cotton-based or glass fiber covered with an asphalt coating. Now, the asphalt layer is what makes the roof water repellent. And as the sun heats the roof, that asphalt dries out. So to check your roof for signs of wear and tear, you want to look for cracked, curled, or broken shingles. If a worn section is limited to a small area, it could be repaired. But if the entire roof looks this way, well, replacement is probably best because the shingles that are allowed to deteriorate are porous and they can start to leak that water through and they can lead to rot and mold and even more expensive repairs later, especially if it starts to impact the roof sheathing. 
All right, so now if you do need to replace your roof, you can usually add an additional layer of shingles for a total of two layers of roofing material on the roof itself. After this, local building inspectors may make you tear off one of the existing layers first. Now, doing a tear-off isn't such a bad idea, even if you have only one layer, because a second roof layer, it's not going to cool as well in the summer because there's going to be increased mass, and as a result, that roof is going to wear out quicker than if you had one with just a single layer. You know, if you have a single layer roof and say it lasts 22 years, a second layer will typically last 15 years or about one third less. So every layer reduces that roof's lifespan. Exactly. So if you want to decide if the increased cost of the roof tear off makes sense, you really need to kind of figure out how long you're going to expect to be in the house. So if you'll be there for most of the life of the roof, then you may want to go ahead and remove that first layer because you'll benefit from the increased longevity of the new roof. But if you're like in a short-term deal and you think you're only going to be the year or two, it doesn't really matter to you. So in that case, go ahead and put a second layer on. John in Minnesota, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Yes, I have a, a sauna in my basement that I have to transfer over to a, a shower. Okay, you want to convert it to a shower? Yes, and I'm wondering what I could put on those walls to dress it up like um, some paneling or panels, or do I have to use um, tile? Okay, well, first of all, um, before we talk about what you're going to put on the walls, how are you going to drain this? Is there a drain below the floor? Yes, I have a cement floor, and there's a a drain right in the middle of the, the room there, yes. Now, do you know if that drain is connected to the plumbing system of the house, or is it just a basic floor drain that perhaps goes outside somewhere? Uh, it is hooked up to the uh, uh, my sewer system. All right, terrific. Well, that's the hardest part. That's solved. So now it just becomes sort of a decor question for you. And you say that, that this was a sauna at some point in time? Yes. So I guess the sky's the limit here. I mean, what do you like? Do you like tile? Do you like uh, solid surfacing materials like Corian? I mean, you, have, you can pretty much do anything at this point. You're going to start with the floor. And you're going to put, you're definitely going to put tile on the floor, I would think, and replace that drain with a cover that's built into the tile base. Um, and then from there, you're going to build it up. So you could do really anything you want to do at this point. You could put uh, tile on those walls. You could put solid surfacing materials on those walls. You know, or if you want to keep it funky, you could leave them as a wood. You could leave it as wood. I'm presuming it's probably cedar or some other type of moisture resistant material. Uh- well, the walls are that gla- it's that clay tile. Oh, the walls are clay tile, so then it has to be covered. Yeah. So then the right thing to do here, if if it's it's basically sort of a raw surface right now, is you're going to need to put in a shower pan to start with, and then build up the bathroom from there. Now, if you've already got walls that are sort of creating this, how big is the space that the sauna was in now? Eight by eight. Okay. Do you want an eight by eight shower? You want it to be a, a pretty much a, a drive-in shower there? <laughs> it's a pretty big shower, but do you want it to be that big? Well, I was going to probably have like 80% of it, the shower. I wanted to put a double, like a double two-headed shower or one on the have a rain shower on top and one coming out the side, and then the other... Yeah, like a car wash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then the other part, just kind of a drying area. So, John, this sauna area, this 8 by 8 area, this is made of the terracotta clay tile? Yes. And I think you can glue a ceramic tile right to that with a good quality tile adhesive, as long as it's fairly flat... Uh, because the tile's not going to bend. But if it's a flat surface, you should be able to adhere the tile right to it, since it's already a water-resistant back. 
and 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 pretty much go up from there. Now the the floor have to build up a uh, a shower pan there so you get good drainage down to the to the to the hole in the floor so to speak. But once you get that established, I think you could adhere ceramic tile right to those terracotta terracotta walls and go right from there. Now make sure that you have ventilation in that space. You have an exhaust fan. Of course, do all your plumbing uh, ahead of time, and the last thing you'll do is lay those tile walls in. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, it does. All right, John. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, hey, if you're a professional contractor or remodeler or builder or a decorator or an architect, we have got a brand new podcast presented by Ella Flooring that is just for you. It's called the Profiles Podcast. And we profile successful professionals who are setting good examples and overcoming challenges and are willing to share what it takes to build a great business and a great life so that we can all benefit from their experiences. You can listen and follow the Profiles podcast at llflooring.com slash pro. That's llflooring.com slash pro or wherever you get your pots. All right, now we've got Anna on the line who needs some help with some door improvement. Tell us what you're working on. Hi. Yes, I have uh, one metal door and three fiberglass door. That I got, got, I got a guy to paint it, and not knowing, when I got home, he actually painted with a spray can paint. So when the, when the heat hits the door, I can't open the door because it's <laughs> oh boy. sticky to the, the door jam. What a mess. What a How mess. do I repair that? Well, you know, even though he painted it with spray paint, it should still work. I mean, it should dry. The fact that it's spray paint is not making it uh, any more or less tacky than perhaps if you use paint out of a gallon. Um, but the fact that it's sticking might mean that the door needs a bit of adjustment inside the opening. Are all the doors sticking? All the doors sticking right on the rubber of the door jam. It's like, I think that it's a shoo can paint, not... I'm like, would you sprayed what to the door? What kind of paint did he use? He, I call it the shushu, regular can paint. Like he went to the hardware, a, a hardware store, got a, a spray can paint and sprayed it. Well, look, what you should do now, if you've had uh, a bad paint job, is you really have to pull that old paint off. So I would take the doors off of the hinges, lay them down horizontally, use a paint remover to pull off the paint that's there. Once you get it back down to where it was where you started, then I would prime the doors first. And I would use an oil-based primer, because that's going to give you good adhesion to both the metal and the fiberglass doors. And then I would put a good top quality uh, finish coat on that using a semi-gloss paint. Then let them dry really well and then reinstall them. So I, is it possible then to, uh, this is on metal and fiberglass, to get a paint remover for this thing? Yes. There's paint removers. The citrus-based removers are the most effective. So use the citrus-based paint removers, pull off the old paint, prime the doors, and then repaint them. You should be good to go. Okay, Anna? Thank you so very much again. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, as the season has changed, you know, we're entering fall. Now is the time, guys, that you need to get your heating system serviced. So we've got tips on how to best get that project done in today's pro project presented by Angie.com. Now, you might be thinking, hey, if the heating system was fine last winter, it should work this winter. So maybe I don't even need to have it serviced. Well, that logic does not necessarily hold. It doesn't matter if you heat by gas or oil or propane or electric. An annual service by a pro is a really important way to make sure the system remains safe and efficient. Now, not only can heating systems become inefficient, and that's going to cost you more money, but 
when you operate them, dangerous conditions can build up like carbon monoxide. And that might only be spotted by a pro with years of experience. Yeah. So for homes that are heated with gas or oil or propane, those fuels leave carbon deposits on the burners and that causes them to become blocked. And a service pro will clean and adjust those burners to make sure they're running properly, as well as check over other key elements of the system, like a heat exchanger, which can develop cracks and cause combustion gas like carbon monoxide to leak right back into your house. Yeah, and also the blower motor. That needs to be checked, and it's got to be cleaned. The filters need to be replaced. And if your home is heated by electricity, you know, like a heat pump or even an electric furnace, those systems, too, need to be checked. you got to make sure that they're not wasting energy, especially since electric is pretty much the most expensive way you can heat a house. So keep everything running efficiently. I mean, you might have to wait a while to get that appointment for the service, but it is worth it in the long run. And that's today's pro project presented by Angie. Angie's list is now Angie. Angie connects you with top home improvement pros who can help with projects big and small. Check out Angie.com to start your next home project today. All right, we've got Arthur in Tennessee on the line. He's dealing with a painting problem. What happened? Uh, Not much. I'm working on a building in old downtown Johnson City, building the 1890s, and trying to strip some brick. Okay. I've stripped part of the brick that was done in the 1950s and had good success, but this is older brick, and I'm not even sure. I think it was made on site, and it's solid and everything, but I wondered what kind of modern options were out there for getting paint off of brick. What did you use to get the paint off of the 1950s brick? I used a product called Pillaway, and it worked great. Okay. And did you try the same product on the uh, on the older brick? Uh, I'm afraid to use it because it's got a rougher finish. Well, that means you're going to have more uh, binding of the paint to the surface. But what I would do is I would try it in an area that was perhaps a bit less conspicuous, you know, like not at eye level, maybe down towards the bottom or uh, if there's any other area that you really don't care as much about. If you had good success with that particular product, I, I don't see any reason not to continue with it, at least to see what happens. Um, is this uh, a product that is uh, environmentally friendly, or do you find that it's pretty caustic? It, it says it's biodegradable and a water-based product, but, you know, you do wear gloves and wear long sleeves, but it it's amazing on uh, how it works. I just, uh, I've had people come by and say, well, why aren't you using sandblasting or dry ice and i didn't know if that is an option or well here's what here's why you definitely can't use sandblasting because those old bricks um will be damaged by that process and and you know it's it's costly as well so i would tell you if the product that you're using is working well I, i see no reason not to keep uh working with that and i'm not really familiar with dry ice but i i can't imagine that that's very easy to use Certainly, it's very well, difficult to handle and potentially dangerous as well. Paint very well. Yeah, I agree. I'd stick with what you're working on. If you got concerns about it, um, I would definitely try an inconspicuous area, whether that's the back of the building or the bottom of the building. You know, some place that you don't care about as much. We always give that advice when you're using a, a product like this, uh, and then just go on from there. Okay. Hey, I really appreciate it, and I love your guys' show. Well, thanks, Art. Good luck with that project, and uh, congratulations. It sounds like uh, it's going to be a really beautiful building when you're done. Peggy in Louisiana is on the line with a concrete question. What can we do for you today? Well, we have a slab concrete bottom, and it's built up with the uh, 
board skeletons, and it's covered with vinyl siding. And um, being in Louisiana, it rains a lot, and the rain comes on the porch to where it's um, eating the inside wall, which is wooden, on the bottom. And um, I want to know how I can seal the outside vinyl siding to concrete slab to keep the water from coming in. So what's happening is that your concrete slab is in contact with the bottom of the vinyl siding, is that correct? Yes. And um, right under that siding, is that a wood, a wood wall all the way down to the bottom where that slab is? Because typically you'd have about six inches of foundation before you started the siding at a minimum, and then the vinyl siding would start. So if your vinyl siding is going down flush to the slab, it's going to be almost impossible for you to seal it in any way, shape, or form from the outside and stop that from happening. Your only chance would be to take the siding off and then to install some flexible flashings. There's different types of flashing that you can use. There are rubberized flashings that are very good because you can basically form them wherever you need to get that entire area as tight as you possibly can and then put the siding back on on top of that. Siding itself, especially vinyl siding, you know, if you were to caulk that or anything of that nature, it's not really designed to seal in that way. So I feel like you're just going to be kind of running yourself in circles there. And while it could stop to some extent or slow down, at least temporarily, that leakage that you're reporting, the only way to really fix that and to get to the bottom of it is to pull that siding off and to flash it. And the only, we're only talking about the bottom of the siding here, not the, all the siding on the house. But the bottom couple of pieces would have to come off to do this job. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, when you're selecting materials for home project, it is smart to choose products that deliver the best performance with the least impact on your time, your budget, and your environment. There's a new insulation material that does all that and more. Yeah, it's called Pink Next Gen Fiberglass Insulation, and it's got a unique advanced fiber technology that creates a tightly woven network of soft, fine fibers. And these fibers form a super resilient blanket of insulating micro pockets, and that's going to help you save energy. Plus, the Owens Corning Pink Next Gen Fiberglass is easy to install, and it actually goes in 23% faster. And I like that it's made with safe, proven ingredients, so there's no formaldehyde or fire retardants that are added to fiberglass. Yeah, and it delivers the same energy savings as a spray foam insulation, but at a much lower installed cost. And it actually saves more energy than it takes to make it. And that's a positive impact on the environment. Check out the new Owens Corning Pink Next Gen insulation at pinknextgen.com. That's pinknextgen.com. James in Illinois is on the line and is looking to make a fire pit at their money pit. What's going on? Oh, I just want to know what's the best way to build a fire pit in the ground. Uh, would you use fire brick or would you get one of those galvanized uh, rings? You know, there's a really nice fire pit kit that's on the market now at Home Depot that's made by Pavestone. It's called the Rumblestone Fire Pit Kit. I like it because it contains everything that you need. It's got the stone, which you can use to create the round fire pit itself, and then it also has a metal insert and a screen. So basically everything you need is is in the box, and you can pick it up and put it together, and they're pretty good about giving you instructions and step-by-step. Why don't you take a look at that? i got to tell you, I have a fire pit now, but if I was doing it again, I would pick up the Rumblestone round fire pit kit at Home Depot. Well, with the uh, metal ring that uh, goes around there, how thick is it, and 
Would it rust and you'd have to replace it in a couple of years? I've had metal fire pits for a number of years, and I find that they're good for five or six or seven years, so I don't think it's an every year kind of thing. And this one in particular is made of heavy steel. And what's the price of that? I think it's around 400 bucks, maybe four, 450 bucks, something like that, but it includes everything. So it's all in there, you know, the brick, the stone, the metal ring, and so on. Okay, well, thank you very much. Rumblestone will work very well. Post your questions, call in your questions, whatever it is, reach out. We're standing by to give a hand. Celeste writes in saying, my house is 20 years old and the plastic water pipe that enters the house is leaking at the connections. I don't know how to fix this without breaking something. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's smart. You don't want to make it worse. Yeah, it's always healthy to have respect for breaking stuff. I'll tell you, there is an easy way to do this. There is a product by JB Weld that is designed for quick fixes. It's called JB Plastic Weld. And it's really perfect for this because it's a two-part epoxy that works on several types of plastic. Now, it comes in a roll. Leslie, what's that snack cake that used to be like rolled up with like chocolate cake and icing? Was that like the Hostess Ho Ho? Oh, is that like a little Debbie rolls? or a... Yeah, the little Debbie's, yeah. <laughs> Something well, like that. Well, that's what it looks like. like. Yeah, except it's like part A and part B instead of the chocolate cake and the icing, right? So you slice <laughs> off the end of it. I mean... I kind of like the chocolate cake and icing. Right. Well, I don't. I wouldn't recommend tasting it because it's not going to be very good. But you slice <laughs> nope. it off. You mix it in your hand together, sort of roll it like in a ball, and then activates it. And then you pack it around those threads where the leak is. And what I would do, Celeste, is i turn the water off, make sure the pipe's nice and dry before you do it. But I actually use JB Weld as a version made for metal on a heating pipe years ago that's in our bathroom. And I'm always amazed that it's still held like 20 years later. So it's good stuff. So try that, the JB Plastic Weld. I think that'll be the solution. You know, Celeste, if you go with that sort of plastic weld product, I mean, you're not going to break anything. And it's a chance for you to fix it at a low cost. But if it doesn't work out, now you can always call a plumber for the extra expense, you know nothing else is going to get broken. So it's really definitely worth trying to tackle this yourself first. So as the weather cools down, you might be thinking about projects that need to be done before the freezing winter chill sets in. Leslie's got some tips on weekend projects that make the most of our mild early fall temperatures in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, first of all, I mean, I always like to check that the water heater is good so I can have hot showers all winter long. So to keep that water heater running efficiently, you want to drain two gallons of water from your tank heater twice a year. Don't tackle this, though, without making sure the heater is not only powered off, but has had a full hour to cool because that water is crazy hot. Also, your heating bills, they're right around the corner, and a fresh furnace filter is the key way to keeping those bills low and your temperatures high. And if you haven't done so in a while, now is the time to get on a schedule. Those furnace filters need to be changed monthly. I don't care if it's the first day. I don't care if it's the last day. I don't care if it's the middle of the day. Just do it every single month. And since you're going to be closing your windows and doors for good for the season, you want to take this time now to clean your house the natural way. Vinegar and water really does work great on windows and wood floors. Salt and baking soda, you can make that into a paste, and that's a great scouring cleanser. Olive oil and lemon juice, it's a wonderful chemical-free furniture polish. And I mean, you've probably got all of those things in your house right now, so there's no extra costs associated with it and no terrible off-gassing from something more caustic while you're all locked up inside for the winter. It's kind of like the way that our grandparents and great-grandparents used to, used to clean houses, right, before we started using all of this commercial stuff. So great ideas. 
Hey, coming up next time on the program, fall is the perfect time to plant bushes and shrubs because they get plenty of mild weather to grow strong before next summer's harsh sun. Plus, it's a project most DIYers can handle without a pro. We'll walk you through the step-by-step on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a money pit.